1: the desire was for you and I to get to the place that we we have such an intimate relationship with Jesus that if he wants to talk to us, we're sensitive to him. And every message really has been building upon the other message before. So we started out talking about that longing we all have and that Jesus actually calls us to seek after the kingdom with all of our heart. Because the kingdom is him. We saw then, the next week, that Really what we were created for and what's missing in our spiritual lives and in our religious lives and, and in our activities and everything, what's missing is the relationship with God. And then the next week we saw that really, you know, even as we try to try to grow in that relationship with Him, with our practices and everything, there's still an emptiness. Why is that? And we saw that what we need to do is regain our love for Jesus. Now, have you noticed now, as you've been trying to pursue that, regaining your love for Christ, have you found that that's not easy? Have you found that, you know, we could talk about it and we recognize that I need that love for Jesus again, but it's just not there. Like, okay, so what's going on, George? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about why we've got a problem with loving him. We're going to talk about why we're distracted and how we can be totally devoted. Did you understand what I'm saying? Totally devoted because the problem is, I'll be honest with you, we struggle with a divided heart and and I'm going to point out four things to you about our divided heart. You and I have a divided heart, whether we recognize it or not. We have a divided heart, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's because of our divided heart that we can't get a grip on loving Jesus. And hopefully through illustrating that through personal relationships, you'll be able to understand what I'm saying. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Number one, I think all of us would admit this. We realize that we need to love Jesus with our whole heart. I think everybody here would agree with that statement. We realize that we need to love Jesus with our whole heart. I don't think of, I can't think of anybody would say, yeah, I don't think that's an issue. I think all of us realize that we need to come to a place where we love Jesus with our whole heart. Bottom line. Now the question arises, how do we get there? Because you can want something so much. But be frustrated, and I think a lot of us are frustrated in our spiritual lives, because we got an issue, we got a problem. We realize that we need to love Jesus with our whole heart. Here's the second thing, as we strive to love Jesus with our whole heart, there's still emptiness. There's still emptiness. In fact, you know what, you you may be listening and re-listening to what I've been sharing, and... And you're and and you're like, okay, I'm going to do what yours says. This week, I'm going to make that life change decision. And you're like, oh, I'm going to do it. But there's still emptiness. Why is that? Why is there still emptiness? Well, I'm 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 going to tell you why in a moment here. Because the problem is, is that maybe the object of your love is not your sole focus. Do you do what I'm saying? Maybe the object of your love is not your sole focus. So therefore, there's a problem in your relationship. I I liken it to this. You ever met a guy who who, who goes up to his fiance and says to him, Sweetie, I am in love with you. I am going to marry you. I am going to give my wholehearted devotion to you. But I got to meet with my ex-girlfriend... That lives over in Phillipsburg. Friday, I'm meeting with the one that I have in Dubois. And then on Monday, I'm going down to Indiana, PA, to meet with a girl that I knew back in college. Now, if you were the fiancé, what would you be thinking? Oh, he loves me with all of his heart. Do you think there's emptiness there in that relationship? See, that brings me to my third point here. The problem arises from an issue of faithfulness to Jesus. The problem arises from an issue of faithfulness to Jesus. You say, well, wait a minute, hold on, hold on a second. I I love Jesus. I I want a relationship with Jesus. I don't want this emptiness anymore. I've made that decision. I want Jesus. What do you mean it's an issue of faithfulness? It might be. Because maybe you're not loving him with all of your heart. You're not loving him with... With everything that it is in you, because you've allowed some other things to happen in your life. I'll, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. I've been, you know, I've been reading through the Old Testament in, in my personal devotional time. I just was reading through First and Second Kings. I read through First and Second Samuel. Now, First and Second Kings, I'm into. I just finished First Chronicles, and I'm getting ready to get into Second Chronicles. And and I saw a pattern whenever it talked about certain kings, and and it talked about how godly those kings were. In, in that they devoted and they tried to lead Judah to follow the Lord. But there was always a but. It would talk about how great these kings were and their love for Jesus, for God. There was a but. And I'll, I'll read you one of them. It's, it's in Second Kings chapter 12, verse 3. You don't need to turn there. But here's what it says. After talking about this king and his love for God, it says this. But the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Just before that, it talked about the devotion to God, but see, they weren't totally devoted because they had these high places. They had these things in their lives where they would still go and make sacrifices to. And burn incense to, and, and show some loyalty to. See, here's what I want you to see. Here's the bottom line. You cannot have Jesus as your focus when you're distracted. You can't have Jesus as your focus when you're distracted. Because here's what's going on, folks. I call them heart idols. You and I, let me just go ahead and say it right now, have a problem with heart idols, see that 's what was going on in these high places. If you go to the high places, in fact, if you read later about josiah when he he, he finally decided to when he was godly king, tried to do everything, wiped out everything he, he he finally wiped out these high places, they had house idols there, personal idols, and people would come and they would offer incense or offer worship. Because yes, they love the Lord, but they also expected these idols to take care of them. See, here's the thing: you can love God with all you want, but the fact of the matter is is if you devote yourself and seek your comfort in and find your comfort in and even find your relief from something else, that's a hard idol. And for some, it might be and I mean for some people it is. It might be alcohol, it might be drugs, it might be work, it might be food might be relationships with people. You can devote, you can say you're all wholehearted, but if you give something to somebody else, you're being unfaithful to him. And see, the problem is, is that maybe the reason why we're not regaining our love for God It's because we can't have Jesus as our focus when we're distracted by all of these other things. Do You know what I'm saying? And and, and let's, let's just not act spiritual this morning. Let's just be flat out honest. I'll be flat out honest with you. I get distracted. I get distracted. Ambition. Goals, all this other stuff. You know what it is for your life because God's been speaking to you about it. And those things distract us and they hinder us from having the love that we should have towards Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's nice to say Jesus says, "I've got this one thing against you; you've lost your love for me." And we're like, "Okay, I got to make that life decision. I got to, I got to. Don't really love you, Jesus? But over here, I've got my idol, whatever it might be." And so, our attention is drawn between the two, and when God doesn't work quick enough, we go to the other one. Do you know what I mean? And he doesn't work quick enough for some of us. So we turn to the other one. You know, we turn to the other one. So what do we do about that, George? I mean, what do we do? How do we focus our devotion? How do we get back to where we are single-minded and not distracted by these other things? How do we get there? I think Hebrews chapter 12 gives us some thoughts concerning that. Read with me. We're just looking at four verses. Read with me what it says. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls you have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin I'm going to give you four things to consider today. If we're going to talk about refocusing our devotion on Jesus, I'm going to give you four things that I really want you to consider and pray about. Think about It's for me. It's for you. Because this morning I woke up. I'll be honest with you. I woke up and I thought, you know, this message isn't just for them. This message is for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is for me, and this is for you, because this is where we need to be. Because let's be honest, are we sick of the emptiness? Then let God reveal why the emptiness is there. And if he shows you something, you do it you do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So let's look at it. Let's look here. First thing I want you to see is this. Recognize that you are not alone in the struggle. recognize that you are not alone in the struggle you know you just heard everybody else here say yes they're sick of the emptiness so you're not alone in this struggle that you have an emptiness but what the writer of hebrews is saying is that seeing that we have this great we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses let me explain to you what that means what that means is he's talking about those who were listed in chapter 11 the great faith chapter, when you read through there and you see the people who are listed there who, who, who were being commended because of their faith, and you look at that list and you're like, holy cow, what a list. These people had some problems, but they hung on. They endured. Now, it doesn't mean that there's this great big stadium in heaven and all everybody's looking down on you. That's not what that passage means. I've heard some preachers say that. That's ridiculous. That's not what it's talking about. But what it's talking about is that you are facing the same struggle that others have faced and have endured and persevered, so you endure and persevere. So you need to recognize you're not in this alone. That's the biggest lie the enemy can tell you, is you're the only one who's struggling with this. So can we we all acknowledge right here today? The struggle that we have in our relationship with Jesus and being distracted by other things every single one of us, including myself, wrestles with. Is that not right? You are not in this alone. Recognize that. Own it. You're not in this alone. Here's the second thing I want you to see from this passage. You need to reject the hard idols that hold your attention. You need to reject the heart idols that hold your attention. Oh, wait a minute now, George. I just read that verse, verse 1. He doesn't talk about idols there. No, but look at what he says there. And lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares you. Here's what he's talking about. The word weight and sin are, are talking about this issue of heart idols. A heart idol is whatever it is that is holding you back from your relationship being what it should be with God. Do you understand what? You want to write that down? A heart idol is whatever is holding you back from the relationship that you should have with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? It could be anything. It could be something good. What do you mean by that? Well, when you go through and you read through the through the testimony of first and second kings, you come across a king by the name of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, when he became king, he it says there that he broke the bronze serpent that Moses had made. If you remember the story from, from, the, from, the, from the scripture, the first five books of the scripture, God had sent a plague of vipers, serpents among them, and, and they had to look at this bronze serpent if they got bit in order to be saved. Otherwise, they would have died. Well, what ended up happening was, here they are, several hundred years later, the people are still burning incense to this serpent on a pole. What turned out to be good actually turned out to be something that was a weight, an entanglement from the devotion to God by the people of Israel. Listen, it could be something that was started out good in your life. But now it's become a weight It's become something good to keep you from your total devotion to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it doesn't have to be like a big sin. It actually could be something good, but what's happened is is it's distracted you from totally loving God with all of your heart the way you should be. And here's what you got to do. you got to reject them. Now, rejection isn't just an acknowledgement of them. It's doing something about it. You've got to reject it. You've got to recognize what the heart idols are and reject them. Reject them. Here's the second thing, the third thing I want you to see here, that we see this in this passage. Understand that your heart idols have enslaved you. Understand that your heart idols have enslaved you. See, it's not just holding you back, folks. And they will. They will hold you back from the relationship that you need to have with God. But here's what they've done. They've enslaved you. What do you mean, George? Well, I think for a moment, that heart idol, whatever it is, When you decide that you're going to do something about it, here's what you're going to see happening. When you decide, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to be focused there anymore. I'm not going to give it the attention that I should give it anymore. And you decide, I've rejected it. I turn away from it. I am no longer going to do that. You're going to find that this happens. That all of a sudden, you start having these thoughts enter into your mind. Well, you know, if you only did that, You know, life was better when you focused there. Don't you remember the good feelings that you had when you were there? See, it's entrapped you, it's ensnared you, it has become such a part of your life that even when you decide that you're going to leave it, you can't. Because you're enslaved by it. You know, I remember I told you, when when I became a believer back in 1985, I didn't come from a Christian home. You know, I'm, I'm ashamed of the way I was before, but I was a child of the world. And I smoked. George smoked. And I remember when I gave it up that first year, 1985. I gave it up. I physically quit smoking. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I mentally quit smoking five years later. What do you mean, mentally quit smoking? Well, because I'd be in a stressful situation, and I would be thinking, boy, I remember when I was in this before, and I remember the feeling I had when I took a puff, when I smoked that cigarette, the relaxation I felt, the stress relief. It took me five years to overcome that thinking. Or I, you know, I, I love pizza. Right? Besides cheeseburgers, George loves pizza. Okay, all right. Just so you don't think I all I eat is cheeseburgers, I love pizza. And and, and there was this restaurant in, in in Columbia, South Carolina. I don't know if they still exist there or not, but it was called Pizza Inn, and they had a buffet. Okay. All right, so I would go, and and what I would do back in my unsaved days was is I would go and load up on the pizza and, and the iced tea, and then afterwards would enjoy a cigarette. Now, for five years after physically stopping, whenever I would go to Pizza Inn and have the buffet and, and the sweet tea, the thought would be, be great to finish it off with a cigarette. What was going on? I was enslaved! I was enslaved not just physically, I was enslaved, are you ready for this? Mentally. See, you need to understand that whatever the idol is in your life, and folks, I'm not talking about, oh, I'm not gonna no problem with smoking, and I got no problem with drugs or drinking, so I don't have any heart idols. You might be surprised what your heart idols are. Everybody's got them. And it's keeping you from being devoted to God. And here's the thing it's got you enslaved. So you need to understand that your heart idols have you. Enslaved. So what do you got to do? Look with me at verse four. It's actually a pretty interesting verse. Some people struggle with its understanding. Like, where did that come from? Look at what he says there. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Here's the point you need to see. You have to get serious about the hard idols about your heart idols, and deal with them. You've got to get serious about your heart idols and deal with them. Listen to me, folks. If we're going to get to the place where we deal with the emptiness that's happening with us spiritually, and we refocus ourselves on what we should be with God and that relationship with him, you've got to get serious and brutal about the heart idols in your life, and you know what they are. Because the Holy Spirit's telling you right now. He's telling you. He's whispering to you in a still, small voice, you need to give this up. You've been focused on this. And it's not the same for every person here. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, is you haven't gotten serious enough about dealing with stuff in your life. And let's be honest, we haven't. Because we're lulled into thinking, well, you know, I'm forgiven. Jesus forgives me. He'll forgive me. I'll ask for forgiveness later. Yeah, but have you wondered why your relationship isn't where it should be? and Why you're not experiencing the blessing of that? It's because you got this heart idol or heart idols in your life. What do we do? Well, let me ask you a couple questions. This first question, I want you to really not just think about right now, but I want you to process it through the week. Get alone. If you want to, write, write on a piece of paper. Don't write it down so nobody understands. Like, don't put a, my heart idols, and leave it out for your wife or husband to find, okay? Or your mom or dad. Do... Write in pig Latin. Do something. But here's what you do. What are the heart idols that are keeping you from total devotion to Jesus? You need to write those down. Write them down in, 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 in secret note or whatever. Pretend. I don't know. Just acknowledge them. Write them down somewhere where you can have it right physically in front of you. These are the things that are my heart idols. And here's what you're going to find. A lot of them aren't necessarily bad. But they've become bad. What are the hard idols? What are the hard idols? Here's the second one. Are you ready to get serious about dealing with them? Are you ready to get serious? Are you ready to get serious about dealing with them? you got to ask yourself that question, because if you're not, then I'm going to be honest with you, nothing's going to change. You might have some level of spirituality, you might have some level of feeling like you're okay, you might even experience some kind of blessing, but what, what, what could have been for you in your relationship with Jesus isn't going to happen as long as you're distracted by these hard idols. Do you understand me? I'm talking to myself, not just you. Do we understand that? Are you ready to get serious about dealing with it? Because here's the thing, man. We're good at playing games. You know what I mean? We're good at playing games. And we're smart. We know just enough what we got to do. But sometimes... Just like the writer of Hebrews, we have not yet got the bloodshed about dealing with it. So are you serious about dealing with them? So finally, here's what we're going to do. Here's the action point. Make that life change decision concerning your heart idols. Remember I told you repentance is a life change decision? It's not just acknowledging it. It's making a change. It's deciding, I've had enough, God. I've had enough, Jesus. I no longer want to be here. I no longer want to deal with this. I need you to help me. I am turning from this. I'm making a life change decision. I'm walking away. we got to start walking away from the idols. Are you ready to do that? My prayer is that you would do that.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning, and we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org.